Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. presence of the Lord, and uh, it's a special day, obviously, and uh, I I pray that the Lord will uh, help us to step into what His perfect will would be for this service today, and let's just long in our heart and desire with all that we have to find that and enjoy that in in His name. I know that uh, today is a special day all across Christendom, and many churches are going to have, for the most part, a center point of reference, and it's and it should be. And so let's ask God to just touch us this morning one more time as we consider his word and ask him to just anoint what already is an anointed word to our heart and life in Jesus' name. Lord, I love you today, and I thank you for the privilege that you have given each and every one of us. I ask you to honor all of the effort that has been put forth today for us to be right here in this house an appointed place at an appointed time. We're here intentionally, God, and we're not resistant to what you want and desire to do in this house. So I pray that your blessings will be evident and that your word will be richly branded to our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. And you can be seated if you would like. I want to say up front that there are just some things that you can't improve on. And uh, I mentioned, I think, maybe a service or so ago, the the words thank you, it's sometimes they seem inadequate compared to to perhaps something that's happened in your life, but it's hard to improve on that. (laughs) I thought I heard that a moment ago, but I was, I said, surely it's just in my mind. But... um, The message that we're going to center our thoughts around today is uh, a message that doesn't need uh, my spin. It doesn't need me to try to take it and make it uh, something that it is not or something more because there's not a more important, not a more meaningful, and not a more powerful message than what we are gathered to celebrate here today. And that is the fact that he is a risen Savior. Everything pivots on that truth. Everything pivots upon that truth. With bated breath, I I was thinking last night, as we come to celebrate not this date, of course, but this event is what we've come to celebrate, how that everyone who had ever been involved, of course those most intimately, but anyone who had ever even been casually involved with Jesus Christ had to be waiting with bated breath to just see what was going to happen. So many prophecies had been given. Jesus Christ himself um, referred to what would happen uh, on the third day. And uh, just as Jonah was in the belly of that prepared fish, 
he let them know something was going to happen. I believe people were not just watching the calendar, but I believe they were watching the clock with great anticipation. And so I think that it would be uh, hoove us to understand the value of these moments leading up to uh, the resurrection of the Lord. I want to draw our attention today from the book of First Corinthians. There's, I suppose, a few launching pads that we could use to talk about this momentous hour, and none of them would be out of sync today. And uh, but I, I would just like to go to Paul's writings in First Corinthians 15, and let's just consider this. I'm going to read several scriptures, and so if you'll follow along on the phone, uh, on the <laughs> On your phone, you can follow along on the screen. I think it maybe was men's conference. Um, I think it was men's conference. And, you know, years ago, people say, ministers would say, hold up your Bibles. And uh, so people would hold up their Bibles. And and uh, so Brother Gaddy, I believe it was, said he was in a meeting and said that. And so said that some people held up their Bibles, some were phones, some tablets and things like that. He happened to notice one person sitting up close was just pointing at the screen. <laughs> We've come a long way, right? <clears throat> so if you have it, it would be good to own a Bible, though. And uh, I have a lot of things with me when I come to the pulpit, but one of those are my Bible. And I want to make sure I have the Word of God with me. The book of First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 12, Paul said, Now if Christ be preached, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you, that there is no resurrection of the dead. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is in vain and ye are in your sins. Then, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most miserable. Verse 20 says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. I've said it often and through the years, and I hope if the Lord will continue to give me breath, I'll say it until my dying day. I'm thankful to be a part of a nation that will at least pause and recognize this special day. Regardless of how many people try to commercialize it, and they certainly do with a great measure of success, regardless of how many people will take this day out of context, I believe that the church must also always remember one thing, and that is that the, that the Bible teaches the real meaning of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Far more than just a day off, it's far more than just a time of family gatherings and social events, even though that's all wrapped into it. I believe that we're here to worship today because we are serving a risen Savior. Amen. So not only is this a wonderful day, but as I mentioned a moment ago, this is a pivotal day. This is a deal-maker, deal-breaker day. This is the most important day in our, in our calendar it's in some respects because had Christ not risen from the dead, <coughs> then all of this would be in vain. Everything would be in vain. And so today with, um, 
with your help, I just want us to look through this, the lens of the Apostle Paul. As I said, there's a lot of perhaps angles that we could launch from and arrive all at the same place. And so today we'll just look through the lens of the Apostle Paul. And so Paul describes the reality of what it would have been like had Christ not risen from the dead. To be sure, it would be different than it is for us right now. I say that because the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ is what solidifies our hope for the future. Amen. I understand that we are living in a generation today that has perhaps uh, more than any other generation before us. I'm talking about at least in America. We have more than any other generation before us. Many of us in this building today have heard parents or grandparents or aunts and uncles of old talk about days in their lives when you didn't even have change in your pocket, much less money in the bank. And uh, I remember my uncle Daniel talking about properties uh, near us down the river that his father could have bought for 50 cents an acre. And as a teenager, I remember him telling that story and I'm just thinking to myself, why in the world didn't you buy it up? And he always put the end cap on that conversation by saying, but who had 50 cents? <laughs> there's, the, there's the caveat. You could have gotten it for 50 cents an acre, but no one had 50 cents. And so we are living in a generation today that cannot even relate to that. Amen. I'm talking about some of the middle age and certainly young people that cannot even relate to that. When you have... Uh, eight-year-olds that have an $800 iPhone in their pocket, they can't relate to not having 50 cents. That's for sure. And uh, so uh, not long ago, I won't, I, I won't use names so that the innocent can remain anonymous, but someone in our church had let one of the children use their iPad to just kind of entertain them and uh, for a little while and got home and realized that that child had bought a bunch of games on their so they don't even need 50 cent. <laughs> they just need your password. <laughs> I, need to, I need to come back to the resurrection here. And, you know, I saw people reach over and get their phone and pull <laughs> close, close to them. What a pivotal time. We're so blessed. We are blessed beyond measure. We're blessed beyond what we could dare dream, think, or ask. Amen, I, the Lord is our hope and, and I'm thankful for that hope and I'm thankful today that we, we have a source of strength that we can turn to and that we have someone that we can rely on. Without the resurrection of the Lord, certainly life would be hopeless. This is all there would be. This would be the sum total of it all. That's why the Apostle Paul said, if I thought this was all there was, I would be the most miserable man in the world if we thought this was all there was. But those generations before us that did not have access to all the things that we have, what they did have was hope. And they knelt in prayer in faith believing. Amen. They knelt in prayer in faith believing that God would make a way where there was no way. We think about those who, uh, before any modern conveniences, or certainly the modern conveniences that we have that were, uh, that mandated that mankind walked in this realm of faith. When a farmer put seed into the soil and planted that by the acre, 
when there was no way to irrigate it outside of heaven, you planted it in faith. And our hope was in God Almighty. Amen. So what if there had been no resurrection? Paul said, if Christ be not risen, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is also vain. And so what would be the consequences of that? I, I believe first and foremost that we have to see that our faith rises and falls on the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the sum total of that. <clears throat> Throughout history, preachers, beginning with the apostles, have stood to proclaim the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who could forget the apostle uh, Peter as he began to preach on the day of Pentecost, proclaiming to the Jews that Christ had been raised from the dead. The apostles collectively and boldly proclaimed that the resurrection proved that Jesus Christ was indeed God himself, God manifested in flesh. He was the Messiah. Without the resurrection, the, the entire message of Christendom would be a moot point if he had not raised from the dead. The apostle states in verse 14 that not only is, our, is the preaching useless, not only would that have been in vain, but our faith would have also been in vain. If Christ didn't raise from the dead, then those of us who's, who had believed what the preacher said or what the messenger said would have done little more than just believe a lie. If Christ had not been raised, then all the believing, all the praying, all the service, everything that had been done would have all been done for naught. Now, I understand my responsibility today, and I get the message today, and I understand that for many of us sitting here, we have heard this again and again and again and again. But since this is one of the most pivotal moments in all of Scripture, don't ever develop a spirit of disdain. Amen. Just because we've heard the message again, we need to pass by it again. Amen, pass by it again. What meaneth these stones? Amen, what meaneth these stones? He said, these stones, they're gonna represent something. They may not represent uh, something to, uh, to some, but to another generation that's coming along that they weren't here when the waters parted. There's a meaning. We need to walk past them and we need to talk about them. Amen, we need to speak of them. Praise God. When we think about Deuteronomy, when we think about the passage of Deuteronomy in 6 and 4, when the Lord told them how often to talk about here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. How often do you think we ought to mention this? He said, when you rise up, when you sit down, when you walk by the way. Amen. Before your eyes, over the door. We need to talk about this. Why? We don't ever want this to learn, lose its importance and we don't ever want to learn this message, so to speak, so well that we have no need to pass by it again. This is a pivotal point. Finally, Paul concludes that if Christ had not been raised from the dead, then he himself and all of the other apostles would have been deemed as false witnesses. He said in verse 15, yea, we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he raised not up. If so, be that the dead are, that the dead rise not. And so if Christ had not been raised, then there would have been, we would have had no faith. Our, the preaching would have been in vain. Our faith would have been in vain. And every one of the apostles would have been a false witness or a false prophet. And so either Jesus rose from the dead or he lied. This is yes or no. There is no middle ground. 
Amen. He either rose from the dead or he did not rise from the dead. Amen. But, but why? Why would the apostles do this? Why would the apostles preach something that was false? These were men who in every other aspect of their life, every Monday that you could find them, every Thursday that you could find them, every business deal that you could find them in, they were men of moral character. They were men of truth, not just when they were proclaiming truth, but they were just men of honesty and integrity. They were men of ethics and men of high morality. Their heart, their conscience was pure, not just before God, but before men. And so these men had nothing to gain, is my point, by proclaiming that Christ did something that he did not do. As a matter of fact, the test, their testimony of Christ being raised from the dead came with a tremendously high price for them personally. We, we think about the Declaration of Independence, and this is not my message today, but it's, it's worth drawing our attention to it. We think about the Declaration of Independence and what this document means to us and how it liberated generations beyond the signature of those men. But when you read history and you re- read the dear price that most of those men paid for signing their name on that document, I see some heads nodding here. You know what I'm talking about today. We can, we can look at that document. We can run our fingers over copies of that and say, well, I'm so thankful Ben were willing to take a stand and make a decision. But some of them took a stand in the, in the, in the puddle of blood. Some of them, some of them stood for a generation before them that would experience a freedom and a liberty that these people would never, they would never, they themselves experience. But generations, they had children or grandchildren that would do that and so it is with the apostles today they stood for something that cost them dearly they suffered great persecution they were opposed stoned assaulted they were certainly defamed reviled they were beaten and in most cases ultimately killed the one who penned these words that we're reading today the apostle Paul left all that he had to follow the Lord And when I tell you that he had a lot to walk away from, he had a lot to walk away from. But he left everything that he had to follow the Lord. He put behind him his heritage. He put behind him his education. He put behind him a bright future with an opportunity for success in the Jewish religious circles. He laid down a lot. Yes, he did. Paul suffered all of those things for the call of of, of Christ. He suffered beatings. And in some of his writings, Paul gives us just a snippet, just a little snapshot into some of the things that that he encountered. He endured beatings and hunger and sleepless nights and and shipwrecks. And And so to assume that someone would do all this and then just wind up a false prophet Amen, is absolute nonsense. Under, under normal circumstances, a, a person is not going to surrender comfort or success or persecution or distress under normal circumstances, unless someone's insane. They're not just going to surrender those things on a maybe. <coughs> right? Paul by no means was insane. He had one of the keenest intellects of of that time, Paul had one of the most logical minds of the men of his day. He was a man who once had been against Christians. He had persecuted them. He had uh, wreaked havoc 
to use biblical terminology on the church. And so if Christ had not been raised, then Paul, the apostles, and the testimonies of the entire Christian church would be false. Amen. I'm thankful today that we're standing on solid ground. Amen. As serious as this would be, we need to see another truth. If Jesus had not been raised for the dead, then we would have no forgiveness. Now, that's a serious thing. If Christ be not raised, <coughs> verse 17 said, your faith is in vain, and ye are yet in your sins. You're yet in your sins. So had the resurrection never happened, then our Christian faith is worthless, and we are still trapped in our sins. No forgiveness if he has not been raised. And so all the claims that Christ made concerning himself would not be true unless he rose from the dead. It is the pivotal point. It is the moment of truth. Will this work? Will this not work? He had told his followers that he would come forth from the grave when he said, destroy this temple. And in three days, amen, it will raise again. Go ahead. I mean, if we just put that in our language today, that sounds much like a threat, but it was a promise. Amen, you destroy this and, and it, will, it will raise again in three days. He was speaking of his own resurrection. The resurrection proves the deity, the deity of Christ and it makes his atoning death possible because unless Jesus Christ is who he says he is, then they have just put to death another man. They have just merely killed another man. The heart of the gospel is that Jesus Christ, God manifested in flesh, died on a cross for payment of our sins. Amen. He died as a sacrificial lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I know it's been recently mentioned in, in some few services, but it is certainly fitting that when when Isaac asked his father, where is the lamb for the, for the sacrifice? And when Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb, this is the lamb, this is the lamb, amen. This is the sacrificial lamb that would take away the sin of the world and no more, no mere, rather, mortal man could do that. It had to be a spotless lamb, a man without sin, a man in all points tempted like as you and I yet without sin. Only deity could atone for the sins of the world. The word of God says, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. And so if Jesus did not raise from the dead, then he was not the son of God and we are still trapped in our sin and we are still under the curse of the condemnation of sin. And so there's a lot riding on this. However, the consequences of no resurrection still have not completed their horrible course. If Christ has not been raised, we not only have no faith, no forgiveness, but worse than all of that, we have no future. But I'm thankful that we have a future today. Amen. We are going to live forever somewhere. And I'm thankful for the promise and the hope of eternal life in Christ Jesus. Amen. Because he has been raised. Paul said in the 18th verse, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. There is no hope for the ones who dies. There is no hope for us. Amen. One of the sweetest hopes of a child of God is the hope that one day we will be united with those who have gone before us. <clears throat> Recently, we have lost a dear member of this church and 
Sister Jackie Richards, and I was in her home, my wife and I, the afternoon that she passed, and and it, it's such a bittersweet thought when you are looking at the lifeless um, uh, home, you're looking at the lifeless shell that housed someone, and, and then the scripture comes to your mind how beautiful it is in the sight of God, the death of the saints. I mean, that's, that's a, that seems like a conflicting moment there that we are grieving in our loss. We are grieving for what we no longer can experience. And so in the midst of our sorrow, heaven is rejoicing. In the middle of, in the middle of what we see as bitter, in the middle of what we see as cutting and painful, there is a rejoicing. Why? Amen. Because there is a future. There is a hope for that future. Amen. I'm thankful for the future. I'm thankful for the hope that we have in him. Amen. The Bible says in verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. There is no hope for those who die. Amen. Without the Lord. But I'm thankful that our hope is found in him. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, then we die in our sins and that is it. It is all said and done. But it is not all said and done. Verse 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Paul was underlining and underscoring the fact that if Christ had not been raised from the dead, then our entire life that we have lived would all be in vain. If he had not raised from the dead, we have no faith, we have no forgiveness, we have no hope, we certainly have no future. Amen, the truths that we have been comforting our hearts with have all been a fable. It has all been a lie. We have bought into a lie. We have built nothing more than a house of cards or an air castle at best. It is all over. Amen. But I'm so thankful today. I don't want to sound morbid at all, uncouth or unkind. But I have just sat at the bedside of too many people that were on their way out of this world and their hearts were right. Amen. I don't know what the afterlife is all about. I'm not gonna try to go there, but I'm gonna tell you there was a confident peace in their heart. Amen. They were not only ready to go, they were willing to go. Think of all the scriptures that we have used to comfort ourselves that would not be relevant if he had not risen again. Passages of scripture like Matthew eleven twenty eight that says, come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. I can tell you more than a few of us in this building have held on to that. Amen, that's been a staff. It's been something to help us stand sure and secure in times of uncertainty in our, in our lives and in those times when we were weary and heavy laden we did come into his presence John 1 and 9 says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness and so I found comfort in First John 1 and 9 when I went before the Lord not trying to sweep my error and wrong under the rug and pretend that it didn't happen but with confidence, even though I may have been ashamed, I had confidence to know that if I would confess that before the Lord, that he was faithful, amen, that he would forgive me of my sin. Praise God. As I've said many, many times, I'm not talking about besetting sins. There comes a moment in our lives with besetting sins that we need to stop praying for forgiveness and stop praying for, start praying for deliverance. Amen, deliver me from this, O oh Lord. 
Amen. I, I love to read about the cleansing power of the blood. I love to think about the hope that we find in being released from guilt and shame. And the church said, Amen. <laughs> Amen. Shame is a terrible thing. Guilt is a terrible thing. How horrible to think that this would and could all be wrong. But I thank God this is not where the story ends. Amen. That's why we must keep reading. In verse 20, he says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. If Jesus Christ had not risen from the dead, amen, it would all have been in vain. I'm repeating that again and again and again and again and again because we got to get it. Amen. As the first rays of sunshine begin to peak toward that tomb on that eventful day, Jesus came forth from the grave. The shackles of death could not hold him. Amen. Jesus Christ came forth victorious over death, hell, and the grave. That morning, angels were dispatched to roll away the stone. We need to be sure of one thing. The stone was not rolled away to let Jesus out, but the stone was rolled away to let mankind in. Amen. That is so important. Amen. Because Christ had been raised from the dead, all the negatives now become positives. Now we have true faith, true forgiveness, and, and hope. Our preaching has not been in vain. The apostles were not deceived. Jesus appeared to them to assure them, you, you are not going through all of this for nothing. They were not giving testimony of some mythical experience, but they were walking in the promises of the Lord. We need to remember this, that they did not expect to see him because in their flesh, in their flesh they had been convinced otherwise. Amen. In fact, Thomas had to be offered tangible evidence and before we're too hard on him, we've all been there. He said, I, I, I need to touch, I need to see, I need to experience, I need to know that I know that I know that I know. And so he appeared to his disciples over many days and that would have been one thing. But in just a short amount of time he appeared to 500 at one time in broad daylight. And so the, the disciples again could have been just carrying on this tale. But when you start appearing to hundreds at a time word of this truth is leaking out. Jesus had indeed come forth from the grave and in fact he is alive. In fact, there is more evidence to support the resurrection of Jesus Christ than there is almost any other historical fact. He lives. We open with that song today. Because he lives, that was not just something to entertain us. What powerful truth is bound up in those words. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, amen. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because we know, we know, we know. He holds our future. He holds everything about us. And so we, we move on. Life is worth living because he lives. And so if the tomb was not empty, uh, why didn't they produce a body? I mean, if the tomb was truly not empty, why didn't somebody come up with evidence against this? And the reason for that is plain and very simple. There was no body to produce because Jesus had indeed come forth from the grave. And because of that, our faith is not worthless because of that, the investment is not, is not void. We are not in our sins. We have forgiveness by faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. We have imparted unto us new life 
because of Jesus Christ. We are born again and we stand in his righteousness and we have a future. Those dear saints of God who died in the faith have not perished. They have not just vaporized into oblivion. Amen. One day there will be a great reunion and we have a future. Heaven awaits us. We will meet again. I I don't pretend nor do I assume anyone should pretend that we know every little nuance of what the future holds for us as far as how heaven is going to be. But I believe that we are going to be united again, that we will understand to whatever measure and be known even as we are known. We will be reunited again. And so since Jesus Christ has risen from the dead, we have hope. And we know that our lives invested in the kingdom of God are one day going to pay eternal dividends. It's going to be worth it all. We know that our service, our sacrifice, our labor, whatever we have done is not in vain, but God has chronicled every bit of it. He knows all of it. Every tear that has been shed, he has record of every word that has been uttered. (laughs) Amen, he knows it all. He knows it all, and we will be rewarded justly for those things. Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And so we have a great reason to rejoice because Jesus rose from the dead. And so life counts. I think it's important for us to know that. Life counts. Because sometimes we can get so caught up in the confusion and in the problems of life that we wonder, does it even matter? But it matters. It does matter. It does matter. Life has a purpose. Life has a meaning. Somewhere the seed that you dropped, whether inadvertently or intentionally, God is the giver of life and he allows that seed to grow when he says yes. Someone else will come along and water that and and heaven's gonna be a wonderful thing. And I'm not talking about streets of gold, gates of pearl. We can't relate to that, but heaven's gonna be a wonderful thing to think that some of those that we thought never heard us are gonna hear us. Amen, they were listening. And maybe when we pass from this life, as other generations have passed, they died in faith, believing that perhaps some of their loved ones would would be filled with the Holy Ghost, and they didn't live to see that. But it did indeed happen later, and heaven's gonna be a wonderful thing. Heaven's gonna be a wonderful reunion. Unlike anything that we could ever think or imagine. I know today is a big family day for even many of us who are sitting here in this house and in just a little while we're gonna be gathered with the people that we love and and those are wonderful times, wonderful times. But what what a thrill it is to have someone that unexpected, perhaps, I don't mean uninvited guests as though someone imposed, but that unexpected guest to just show up. We didn't know someone was going to be there and what a thrill to be able to see them. Heaven's going to be that again and again and again and again. Amen. I wonder how many uh, saints of God are going to be completely and utterly shocked by how many people that are there as an end result of their life's work, even though it never came to fruition while they were still there. Amen, I'm thankful for that. On that resurrection morning, when Mary arrived at the tomb, she found it empty. It was empty because he had come out. He came out of the tomb so he could come into our heart. 
Amen. He came into our heart to give us hope for the future, forgiveness for the present, the past, and faith for pressing forward. Jesus Christ lives, and because of that, we can live today. He lives, brings us peace, comfort. Amen. I'm thankful for that today. Those are benefits today, not just tomorrow's benefits. Amen. He's alive. Amen. I'm thankful for that, aren't you? I'm glad we serve a risen Savior. I want to ask you to stand. Our musicians are going to come, and I'll, I'll tell you today that, that there is no greater message that we could ever hear. There's no greater truth that we could ever know. It would not be a waste of your time, not just in the month of April or in this season, to read this story. But we are where we are. We are what we are. We have what we have today because he lives because he lives it all rides on that it all hinges on that it all hinges on that and so I pray that the Lord will help us to understand that our faith is not in vain our service is not in vain the hope that we have not only held on to ourselves but dearly faithfully proclaimed it to others is not in vain we have what we have today because we have a risen Savior I beg of you to not allow this day, this season, this moment to just become another little religious day but understand the depth of the meaning of what this day is all about because he lives, we live. We have hope. Amen, I'm thankful for the hope that I find in him. Aren't you? Amen, would you just slip your hands up if you can today and Let's lift our voices together and can we just collectively, corporately thank the Lord for the power of his resurrection, the power of the hope that we have because he lives and the strength of his spirit that has been so adequately imparted to our lives. I thank you for it today, God. I praise you and I magnify your name. In Jesus' name. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.